Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Jesus Are Forever, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on November 12th, 2017. Big church, right? Right, we're in love with Jesus. We, we come every week expectant and excited. This look forward to all that God has for us. And, and especially on this journey that we've been on through the book of Hebrews, this will be our last weekend, chapter 13. Uh, phenomenal book. Great encouragement, great reminders that our Jesus rules. Amen? Amen. Come on, you got to say it loud of that. Amen? Yeah. Amen. There we go. We got to say it loud and we got to say it proud. Well, I want to ask you this morning, have you ever been to one of those fancy restaurants where, um, you know, you, you get treated like you're royalty? You know, of course, the prices are way crazy and, and the food's way overpriced. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it seems like when you walk in the door, and the moment from that time on that you're just treated with such great um, like, like you're just such a special person, you know? And it was interesting because when my wife and I were um, just dating in high school, I want to share a little picture with you. It'll be up on the screen here. It, isn't it, have you ever seen such pretty hair? <laughs> yeah. And, and my wife's hair is good too, isn't it? <laughs> right? You like that. Viva la raza right there, you know? So that's New Mexico right there. So I, I apologize for that. But. but when my wife and I were in high school, we went to this little restaurant. Um, and it was probably the fanciest restaurant we had ever been to, ever even to this day that we've been to in, in our lives. And uh, I, I know I embarrassed my wife. So. But she's beautiful, isn't she? So she's beautiful. Uh, me, not so much, but that's okay. So... We went to this fancy restaurant and it was really cool because we were just in high school and we had no clue, you know, we had never been anything more than the 25 cent hamburger stand, you know, that was good enough for us, Taco Bell, you know, all that good stuff. And so we go to this restaurant, we're all dressed up in our, on our outfits, it's prom night, we're excited, you know, and, and we get there, we didn't know what to expect and we walk into this restaurant and it's, it's beautiful inside, you know, it's inside this big fancy hotel and, and it's just gorgeous. And so we walk in and we say, hey, we have reservations, you know, and they take us to our our seat and, and it's actually this little booth where it was kind of enclosed and we had it um, all to ourselves and you really couldn't see anybody else in the restaurant from this booth and the coolest thing is that the waiter as he sat us down he kind of introduced himself let us know what was going on and uh, said hey you know what I'm here to serve you tonight and all that good stuff and then he went on to proceed by giving us some suggestions you know he, he offered us some, some meals that were on the menu that he felt like would, would really be good for us and, and, and exciting something that we might be excited about and he made all of these suggestions and he helped us. And one of the cool things that he did that we've never experienced before, even to this day, is that not only did he serve us in those moments, but he literally stood just inches away from our table the whole evening waiting to help us, to serve us, and to be a part of our meal, and to create this experience for us that to this day we, we've really never had again. And it was really cool because, you know, we were, we were just teenagers. You know, we didn't really know. And, and he treated us like we were adults. And, and he shared with us. And we, he, we were able to ask him a bunch of questions about, you know, different things on the menu and, and all the cool stuff that was there, all the, you know, $100 plates and all that good stuff. And we said, oh, we'll settle with the $5 salad and, 
And because uh, my mom didn't have more than 20 bucks to give me, I'm sorry. You know? But uh, it was a great evening. It was a memory that was created for us because of the suggestions of this waiter, of this gentleman that was there to serve us. And it was really cool to experience that as a church, I mean, as a, as a couple. And, uh, you know, what, what was neat about that was that lifelong memory, the experience that, that my wife and I had together and uh, still talk about every now and then when we go through old pictures. We were just going through old pictures and I just thought it'd be fun to share when I had hair. So pretty good, huh? Nice hair? What do you think? All right, you can put that down, Samantha. She likes that because she thinks it's funny. It's her way of getting me back. Well, this morning, we're going to finish up the book of Hebrews. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 13. And uh, if you're wondering what that has to do with our time together this morning, as we close up this book, in this chapter in Hebrews chapter 13, the writer, he offers some suggestions. He points the people towards a way of living in faith. Last week we talked about walking in faith, living by faith. We looked at all of those who came before us in the chapters before 13. Uh, These men and women of faith, this community of faith. And now he brings us to this place in this book where he offers us some suggestions, if you will. He's pointing us in a direction of how we can live our lives to honor God in faith to put our trust in God and do some very specific things in our lives. So so grab your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 13. And we're going to read some of the passages together. We're going to do it a little bit different than we typically do. If you notice in your notes, there's not a few points there. There's just a bunch of passages. And so we're going to kind of walk through those passages this morning and talk about how we can experience this faith based on these suggestions, these things that this gentleman is offering to us as far as a way of living our lives by faith. But let's pray first before we do that. Father, we thank you this morning for your love, your grace, your mercy. Lord, last weekend our ladies got to experience something that uh, us men just didn't get to experience. And Lord, we're grateful for that. We're thankful that you brought these ladies together because behind every good man is a great woman. And Lord, we know that you're doing some amazing things in our lives right now in this moment. Lord, you brought us to this place. You've given us this moment. You've given us this time so that we can grow in our love for you and our love for one another. And so thank you, Father, that we get to experience this, that we get to be a part of this. Lord, this morning as we open up your word and we look to your word for guidance and counsel and understanding and encouragement, Lord, wherever we stand in our faith, Lord, wherever we are, I pray that that you would speak to us, that you would use this moment to help us to better understand the things that you have for us, the life that you've given us, the blessings of the hope of Jesus Christ, and that we would go away from here a changed people. Lord, that we would take these things that you've given us and we would apply them to our lives, that we would live them out, and that we would live by faith. Lord, we thank you and we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'd like to start in the first couple of verses because I think it's important in our community here at Sol Rio Church some of the things that we've seen and experienced together as a body of Christ and as we're growing and maturing in our faith one of the things that we're doing as we go forward into the new year is just a simple three-step discipleship process 
You know, in, in New Mexico, I think, and, and in our culture today, uh, we like things simple, right? We're the, kind of the land of manana, right? We, we kind of show up. We don't sign up. We kind of just do things as we go along the way. And then some, for some of us, it frustrates us. It gets us a little bothered because we're very rigid. We're very big picture, very, hey, we got to go here, there, and here first, and we got to do this, and then, we, then our OCD kicks in, and then our ADHD kicks in, and all that other stuff kicks in, and we get a little frustrated, and we're like, ah. Oh. But, but I believe God's word is, is, is simple. You know, and not in the sense that, that it's simple to where it's not something that's wonderful or, and grand, but it's simple in the sense of that as the Holy Spirit guides us, he shows us and gives us a simple way of living by faith, trusting in Jesus Christ. But you and I, we have to take those steps to do that. So we've created this simple discipleship process that we just simply say, gather, gain, and give. And we do this together in Jesus' name. We come together on Sunday mornings. We meet throughout the week, whether it's in a small group or a men's group or a ladies' group or whatever group. We gather together and we do it in Jesus' name. And as we gather together, we gain. We receive. We, we get insight and understanding because when we do it in Jesus' name, we always look to God's word. We always look to the Bible for understanding. We look to God. We point each other to Jesus in those moments. We share our hurts and our pain and our struggle and all the things that go on in our life. And then we encourage each other to walk with Jesus. You know, I, I think probably from what I'm hearing from a lot of the ladies this last weekend was just simply that, is that, that you were reminded the importance and the value of coming together in Jesus' name. And what that does and the impact that it makes in your life. And because of those first two steps, the third step is simple. It just becomes natural because we begin to give. We begin to share and do things that we have and we've experienced with others. See, that's the beauty of discipleship is that when we come together, we are naturally giving. We are naturally giving because we have been given. We understand the value and the glory of coming together with someone and experiencing life and doing life together. And because of that, we want to give back. We want to help and we want to be a part of. But in order to do that, we have to start with verse 1 and 2 in our passage. Listen to what it says here. He says, Let brotherly love continue do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. See, this, these couple of verses, they reflect why we gather together on Sunday mornings and throughout the week. They reflect why we come together as men and as women in small groups and ministries and at different moments in this life. So that, that our brotherly love would continue. See, the fact of the matter is if, if we don't get together, we will never get to loving each other, will we? I mean, think about it. If I just stayed home all the time, who, who am I loving? How am I creating an opportunity to love? Love will end. Love will not continue unless you and I take the steps in our faith to gather together as a community, as the body of Christ. 
So the gathering aspect of it is so critical in our relationship. And that's why he starts out with this as he ends and he suggests to the people, he says, if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to live by faith and walk in faith, then you know what? Brotherly love has to continue. And do not neglect to, to love those that you don't know. Those that come and they visit and they hang out and they're experienced and they come together because they're just wondering, hey, what is this faith all about? You know, what's, what's cool about Soul Rio Church and it's something that, that is expressed often and, and is what has probably kept you guys here at Soul Rio Church is the love that we show our new guests. You know, even if they don't come back and I talk to them in a, in a couple weeks after they visited, that's the one thing they say that, man, I felt so welcome that morning. I, I just felt so thankful. They just, everybody just welcomed me in. See, that's the love that I believe that God is talking about because you don't know and you never underst- will really understand who you're entertaining, who God is bringing and why he's bringing them here. But what we can rest on and trust in is the fact that we are to gather together so that we can love each other. Romans 12 verse 10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. And then it says, Outdo one another in showing honor. I just think that's probably one of the coolest passages. If you can memorize that verse right there, I would encourage you to do that. And even if it's just the first few words, love one another with brotherly affection. You know, I have a brother, and he's bigger than me, just so you know. He's also tougher than me too. (laughs) He's older. He's about five years older. And uh, my brother loves me. There is no question. When I was a kid, I used to get in trouble, and I used to pick on bigger kids. And I did it because I knew I had a brother that loved me. And every time he loved me, he protected me. And he made sure that those bigger kids didn't mess with me. You see, as the church, we gather together to do the same thing, but not in a world's kind of perspective, but in a biblical type of perspective of understanding that we're here to protect each other. We're here to to help each other and encourage each other. See, the Bible teaches us that, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, do we? We wrestle against what? There you go. Things that aren't of this world. The devil that that wants to destroy us and hurt us. See, there's no brotherly love in that. But when we gather together, we can help each other. We can encourage each other. And the coolest thing is that we can try and outdo each other in that love. It wouldn't be the the, the coolest thing, I, I think, if, if like as we're greeting each other, we we're kind of hugging each other. I just, I'm goofy, sorry. Forgive me for this. But um, it was, we hug each other. We say, hey, I love you, brother. And then uh, I love you more. No, I love you more. No, I, I love you more. You know, and then we get all soppy and, you know, it's just this big old happy hug, holy hug, right? You know, really, that, that's what God is telling us to do when we gather together, to love each other. See, and then, He moves us to verse 3 where he says, Remember those who are in prison. Again, an opportunity to let love continue. As though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. See, when we gather together, we help each other by loving, listening, and leading. 
See, what he's talking about here as he talks to the Israelites, as he talks to the people, see, there are people that are being persecuted for their faith. They stood up and they said, hey, I believe in the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And because of that, they are being persecuted. You know, for you and I in today's times, we don't necessarily have to go to jail for claiming the faith in Jesus Christ. But we can honestly say that we do suffer. That, that life is hard. And for whatever reason that we do suffer, for whatever purpose there is behind that suffering, I think each and every one of us in this room, in this church, in the body of Christ can say, hey, we've had moments where we suffer, where we go through a tough hardship. We've experienced it. And he's reminding them, hey, you too have suffered. So don't forget those that suffer. Again, I just have to say that I think he's pointing us to the value of us coming together and gathering together so that we can share each other's hurts, so we can share each other's burdens, so we can wrestle through the tough moments of life. You know, the value of the body of Christ gathering together to worship. It's more than just hearing someone talk or even singing a few songs. It's bigger than that. It helps love to continue. Then if you flip back a, a couple of chapters, he says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. He says, But recall the former days when you were enlightened. You endured a hard struggle with suffering. When Jesus Christ was revealed to you, when you became to, to know that moment in life when you gave your life to the Savior, the Messiah. See, and in those moments you faced hardships. You faced struggling. And there was suffering. You know, and I don't know the statistics on this, but I, I've got to imagine that when people begin their faith journey, when people move to discover who God is, I got to imagine that a big part of that is because there's some kind of suffering. There's something tough going on in their life, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, there's something going on in their life that for whatever reason, the Spirit of God just stirs their hearts and it says, hey, you know what? You need to go to church. You need to go be a part of a church. You know, I think a faith journey begins on a Sunday morning. I think that's where most people will begin their journey is on a Sunday morning. It's where I began my journey. I got to imagine it's where most of you here began your journey. So the importance of gathering together is reflective in this passage. And it's a reminder for you and I how important it is and the value that's placed on us coming together. Not only on Sundays, but throughout the week. See, it's because when we gather together in Jesus' name, we find comfort. We find help in time of need. And we help provide that comfort as representatives, as, as image bearers of the Messiah. We love one another. We hug each other with holy hugs, not the cheesy side hugs. We just give them the big bear hugs. And we love each other and we remind each other that Jesus loves you. I think about that. I really want you guys to really chew on the value of the aspect of our gathering time and how important it is. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 
He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Isn't that a great reminder of how important we are to one another? You know, those moments when we struggle and we go through those tough days, those tough moments of life, that when God sees us through and he comforts us and he brings us to that place that we'll get the honor and the privilege to offer that same comfort to somebody else. But the variable here, the thing that we have to consider is that it's our choice. Say, I can't force you to do anything. God isn't going to force you to do anything. You've got to choose to come together. You've got to choose to love one another. You've got to choose to let brotherly love continue. See, it's our choice. And I think what helps us to make the right choice is to remember how important that you are to those that sit around you. If you understand your value in God's eyes, you'll see the value of the person sitting next to you. So you are important to God and you are important to me. And then it's interesting because he goes on in the next verse, verse 4, and he addresses a sexually pure life. He kind of switches gears here a little bit here and he says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually moral and the adulterous. See what I think he's doing here is he's moving us from the aspect of loving each other, the brotherly love and taking the steps of faith that we need to to gather together to reminding us the importance of living by faith. And see, when we live by faith, when we're connected to the vine, it produces a life and relationships that seek to honor God, that aren't self-serving, that don't seek to pursue or self-indulge in the things that create temporal pleasure for ourselves. See, he's addressing a body of believers that are coming out of some sexual immorality. And it's across the board. Whatever you think is dirty, whatever you think is unpure, those are the things he's addressing. See, he's reminding them that in our relationships, when God is at the center of that relationship, it will be a God-honoring relationship that will move from having those selfish desires, those sexual impurity thoughts or whatever it is that we would struggle with in our humanity and we seek to honor God in everything that we do in all of our relationships, not just in our marriages, but in our friendships in our work relationships, in all of them. And then in the next verse, verse 5, he shoots straight to our hearts. You guys ready for this? Because some of you might have to hold on to your wallets. He says, keep your life free 
from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Bam. It's like one of them drop the mic kind of moments, right? See, because the Bible teaches us that, that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. You can agree or you can disagree with this, but the truth and the reality is that our money is where our heart is in today's time. Our, our thoughts and our focus and our energies, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else, can tend to wander and move towards the aspect of earning and gaining and seeking for a little bit more, a little bit better, a little bit whatever. And so he, he tells us here, and, and you've got to understand what he's saying here because I think sometimes we misinterpret this. He's saying, keep your life free from the what? Love of money. It's, it's the love of money that consumes us. It's, it's the love of things. It's the love of things that aren't what God wants for us. It's not necessarily just the things. Because we all know and realize that we need money. We need things to survive, right? God knows that. He understands that. I want to ask, um, how many of you saw that email I sent out this last week? Cool. Well, I appreciate you opening them and reading them. <laughs> I really do pray over those, just so you know. But to me, as I was thinking about that this last week, how simple it is for us to, to come to the answer to that question. You know, 200 times 200. You know, and I did have to use a calculator to get the real answer, just so you know. I was being honest about that. It's like, wait, shouldn't that be easy math? But it really isn't that simple, is it? Because we, we struggle with the aspect of holding on to. We struggle with the aspect of trust. And it's not only that we don't trust each other in that arena. But I think more importantly is the question is, do we trust God in that arena? And I think that's what he's getting to here in this passage when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You and I can confidently say that the Lord is my helper and I will not fear because what can man do to me? There's a, a great passage. I encourage you to write it down. Jeremiah 17. Beautiful passage. Great reminder of the man that puts his trust in man and the man that puts his trust in God. See, they experience a lot of the same things. When the, the season comes and there's not much fruit that's being bare, there's things that happen in both lives. But the outcome and the results, the fruit and the blessings of what happens when a man puts his trust in God is completely different than when a man puts his trust in man. I don't know your hearts and I'm not assuming to question your hearts. But I am going to say that God does know your hearts and he will challenge your hearts. And by the power of his spirit, he will convict you in ways that I could never do or be expected to do. But see, what God wants us to do is simple. 
He wants us to give and give generously. He wants us to live this life of faith and live it by faith in the name of Jesus and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ wherever we go, not just with our words, but with our actions, with our life, by what we're modeling and what we're doing to show that Jesus loves us and Jesus cares for us. So I want you guys to know that in my own life, I understand, I understand that, that God has given me an opportunity, a privilege to share my faith with the world around me. And that just means that, that I am a shepherd. I am someone that has been entrusted with something or some things. That doesn't give me any real authority over anyone here or anyone that I do life with. It doesn't give me any real power to force anybody or to show anybody anything different in the sense of making someone do some things. See, I don't own this church. You ask the lady next door, she thinks I'm the owner. Yeah, she, she always calls me the owner. I say, I'm not the owner. <laughs> See, I, I don't own you guys. But if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, God owns you. Because not only is he your savior, but he should be your Lord. And Lord dictates authority. I want you to see what it says here about our leaders, the people that God has put to shepherd. It says in verse 7, and in verse 17 of this passage, he says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then in verse 17 he says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. I would underline that passage because that's an important part of it. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. See, as I, as I read those verses this, this week, all I can think of is, is just simply this. I want you to know this that you make me better. I want you to know that you make me better. You know, I had a good friend of mine ask me a question, and I, I loved this question. He just asked it to me Friday night. He didn't know what I was talking about. My message was already done. I knew what I was talking about, but he, he asked this question. He says, he says, when you're with other people, do you feel like you have to kind of live to a higher standard because you're a pastor? That's a great question for all of us to ask. Instead, fill in, because I'm a Christian. And, and honestly, the, the answer is yes. You know, the more I thought about it over the weekend, the, the true answer would be simple, is just be a yes. Yes, I, I should live to a higher standard. But the key in that is that the standard shouldn't change depending on who I'm with. See, the variable is that, that I should be the same person on Sunday morning that I am on Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning and Wednesday night. See, and that's simply what he's saying here in this passage. He says, you know, watch the outcome of their life. Those that God has put in place to shepherd you, pay attention to how they're living and imitate that faith. 
See, because the expectation on a pastor or a leader or a shepherd is that every day of his life, seven days a week, 365 days of the year, that he should be perfect. But I'll, I'll tell you, well, I guess my wife and my kids will tell you better than I would. I'm not. I'm not perfect. There's been moments when I get angry. There's been moments when I, when I say things that I shouldn't say. There's may, moments when I feel things that I shouldn't feel. But in those moments, in those moments, God reminds me of my responsibility. God reminds me of who I am in Jesus Christ. God reminds me of the privilege that we get to be together as a family. And that's what makes me better. That's what makes me want to be better. You know, I want to ask you, do you want to be better? Do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to become all that God is calling you to become? If you do, then, then I would encourage you to look at this passage, look at these things that this writer is saying and apply them to your life. Even if you don't think they apply to your life, apply them to your life. Look at God's word and let it guide you. See, that's the aspect of gaining insight, understanding what God desires for you for your life and not what you want for your life, what you think you need. See, we have to own our faith. We have to own this faith that God has given us. Well, you might be asking yourself, well, how do I do that? Well, like Nike says, just do it. Just take a step forward. Take a step of faith. You know, Go across the room and say, hey, I'm, I'm Floyd. You want to hang out? Man, I need someone in my life that will encourage me and remind me of Jesus. I know it sounds scary, but it's simple. It's not hard. I guarantee you that, that other person, whoever it may be, is going to say, like, heck yeah, I need somebody too. Yeah, I need to be reminded of these things too. And we do this, we take these steps so that we can protect each other and help each other because here in Hebrews 13 verse 9, he gives them a warning. He says, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have, been, have, not, been, have not benefited those devoted to them. And you think, what is he talking about here? What about these foods? Well, we know that food nourishes the body, but God's word nourishes the soul. We need spiritual food. We need God's word to help us understand the things that he has for us. In those moments when we're confused, we can lean on his word and understand that, hey, you know what? What this guy said or what these people are saying isn't true because that's opposite to who God is and what God has for me. That's why we need to read our Bibles. That's why we need to open up God's word together when we gather in Jesus' name to gain insight and, and look at what it says about the bad girls of the Bible. And were they really bad girls? Or were they just like you and I? People that just needed a savior, needed someone to love them and encourage them and point them to Jesus. See, in this passage, we see here how we can gain strength in our hearts through the food that nourishes our faith, that gives sustenance to our lives. It's the nourishment that we need. That's why in Hebrews 4.12 it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, it's the word of God. It's Jesus Christ. Remember, you guys were supposed to read John chapter 1 this last week. I know you all did it, so I won't ask you to raise your hands. It's okay. Talks about the word of God, who that is, why he is. See, the word of God is living and active. Well, I want to close our time. I know we've been here for a little while. I want to close our time with a couple of things here. See, the reason why I think the writer of this book is helping us to understand the supremacy of Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is. And it's simply because Jesus is our forever. Verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is the beginning and the end. He will never change. He is the alpha, the omega. He is the love. He is the hope. He is the forever. He is our everything and he is our forever. Amen to that? See, I want to remind us of that this morning because when we go away from here this afternoon, tomorrow, throughout the week, we're going to get distracted And we're going to be tempted to put our trust in the things of this world. Things that only last for a brief moment. And what I think the writer is doing, he's reminding us that all these things, they're not worth it. That the only thing that is worth it is Jesus Christ because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He is our hope. He is our eternal promise. And the second thing is that Jesus rules. I just love saying that. I don't know about you guys. I was meeting with some pastors earlier this week and had a little prayer breakfast and I was huddling with a couple of them and I kept telling them, Jesus rules. You know, every time they'd share something that they were excited about, Jesus rules, and they just kind of looked at me. (laughs) I was like, Jesus rules, doesn't he? He really does. You know, in so many ways, by definition of rules. See, Jesus should rule. He does rule. And he will always rule. Jesus rules. Closing with verse 14, as he ends our passage through 17, he says, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, Jesus Christ, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are this, and this is, this is key right here, are pleasing to God. Do you hear that? Such sacrifices, just doing good, honoring God with our lives, living by faith, it's pleasing to God. And this is why we gather together, we gain together, we give together in Jesus' name, and we do it all for the glory of God of who? God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for how the ladies reminded us today that you truly are our hope. Father, that you love us so deeply, so immensely, so amazingly. Father, we we thank you that, that we get to do this life together, that you've brought us together 
with a purpose, with a plan. And Father, you had us in mind for all of this. You thought about us. Lord, you did this for me. Father, we thank you so much for that. We, we give you glory. We give you praise. We lift our hands to you and worship because you are God, you are Father, and because Jesus rules. Lord, right now in this moment, I don't know how to pray for those that are here. I don't know the things that they struggle with. I don't know the, the plans that you have for them, Father, but I do know that you love them. I do know that you care immensely about them or else you wouldn't have created them. Lord, so right now in this moment, together as a church, we come together and we pray. We pray for ourselves. We pray for our own hearts. We pray for the things that you're doing in our lives. And I pray that, that as you do that, as you remind us and you show us the things that you have for us, Father, that we would just live by faith. Lord, that we would trust in you. Lord, that we would come together as a church, not only on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. Every single day, we would gather together and we would look to your word, look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for the hope and for the faith and for the love that we need to do this life. Lord, and we would be willing to give. Give generously, Father, with all that we are, with all that we have. Lord, because we know this is pleasing to you. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the grace, the mercy, all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do, Lord. We love you and we praise you. And we do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ committed to live by faith to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.